I'm going to be starting, and uh, I told Pastor this uh, on Wednesday that I said, I'm not stealing it from you. I had it whenever he began to open with his passage. So it'll sound familiar, but it's starting at Psalm 119 and 81 uh, through 83, and then I'm going to go to Luke chapter 5 and 33 through 39. And so Psalm 119 and 81 through 83 says, My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. And then we're going to go to Luke chapter 5, 33 through 39. And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink. And he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bridegroom fast, bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And he spake also a parable unto them. And this is so fitting for Jesus Christ. Jesus goes straight from speaking to the immediate question, and in a godlike fashion, he begins to speak to the greater story and the greater purpose. He said, No man putteth a piece of new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new make a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottle shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. And no man having drunk old wine straightway desireth the new, for he saith the old is better. Better there is a word that means manageable, or fit for use, or just it's fine, it's just fine. The old is fine. And so, what I want to talk today is on this topic, are you ready? I have said in the past times that I've been up here that there have been things that we have forgotten. There are principles that we have forgotten in, in Pentecost and in, in this way of living our life because culture and time has, has shifted our, our perspective, shifted our, our mindsets away from things that God is trying to get us to understand, especially now in this hour, especially in a more pers purposeful and meaningful way. Revelation 19, 5 and 9 says, A voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, and the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. I want you to, to pay attention to this. It did not say the righteousness of these saints. It said the righteousness of saints. It is not theirs. It was given to her. It was a righteousness that was not of their own making. The clean and white and purity is something given by someone else. And that clean and white purity is something from Jesus Christ that was given it's his righteousness. It's his purity. 
And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And then I'm going to go to Exodus 28, 36 through 38. And you need to see this. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold, engrave upon it like the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord. And thou shalt put it on a blue lace, that it may be upon the mitre, upon the forefront of the mitre shall it be. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead, that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things, which the children of Israel shall hallow in their holy gifts. And it shall be always upon his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. He's going to have something square in the forehead that says holiness to the Lord. There are two major meanings for the term holy. The secondary meaning refers to righteousness and purity. The primary meaning of holiness is separation or apartness. Holiness is the habit of being of one mind with God according as we find his mind described in Scripture. It is the habit of agreeing in God's judgment, hating what he hates, loving what he loves, and measuring everything in this world by the standard of his word. The Hebrew word for holy literally means separate or set apart. This is helpful for us because it means at least in part that when we are talking about God's holiness, we're talking about his absolute purity. He is unstained by sin and evil. He is perfect in every way and perfectly good all the time. Why is holiness so important to God? Something that is holy is set apart from that which is impure or that which might make it impure. So for God's people, the call to holiness is a call to be set apart from the world around them by embracing that which purifies them and forsaking that which makes them impure. God has revealed his holiness to us through Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless, holy, blameless life in the form of man's flesh. This is the example of holiness we are to follow. And then in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. It is our imperative duty to be holy in this hour. We cannot allow things of this world, the nature of this world, to creep into our lives. We cannot let it creep into the church, but we cannot start that process by letting it creep into our lives. We must be holy and separate unto God. There must be a distinction in what we do. There must be a distinction in what we do in our life, what we allow into our life, because we must be something more than what the world shows. Because if we're going to win the world, we cannot look like the world. We cannot act like the world. Because if they wanted the world, they would stay where they're at. But if they want this, we've got to be something more. We've got to be holy. We've got to be separate in this hour. Second Corinthians six fifteen and 18. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty.
In the last probably three or four weeks, I've been awoken in the middle of sleep with two different, with two different things. I'm going to talk about the second time first, and then I'll get to the first time. But the second time I was woken in a panic because I heard this voice, are you ready to meet me? Are you ready to meet me? And I began to run through the usuals. I, I, I don't go here and I don't do this and I don't play around with that. And I, and I don't, you know, talk about certain things and I don't act certain ways. And I try to pray and I try to fast and I try to study my word. I try to do all the right things. But what he spoke to me is, what is in your life that you're justifying as acceptable that is not acceptable to me? And I'll give you an example. Some time ago, I went out to, we went out to dinner with some friends of ours, and we were talking about the things of God. And as we began to talk, he began to tell me a story. He began to tell him how his father, his father's full of the Holy Ghost. And as on a long trip, he would work a long distance between work and home. And so as he would get in his car and start on his long trips, the dad would turn on country music and listen to it. He would begin to drive listening he was still praying seeking for God seeking for the right way the right path and he said in the middle of this drive one day a voice spoke to him and says that does not give me glory and from that point on he quit listening to that stuff it was not a big deal to him but to God it was something important it was not giving him glory and so what the Lord spoke to me is what are you doing in your life that you've justified as acceptable that's acceptable to you because when you measure it on a scale next to the world, it's not that big a deal. But to God, it's a huge deal. Because we are called to be holy. We're called to be something separate. We're not called to play with things in the world and, and, and just make exceptions for it in our life. We're supposed to be holy. Acts 17 and 22 and 23, and I've used this and I'll probably continue to use it because it paints just a beautiful picture then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious, for as I passed by, I beheld your devotions. I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him I declare, declare unto you. And he dispenses to speak and preach to them Jesus Christ on this unknown altar, this unknown God. But the sad part is, is that the next day, it's no longer an unknown God. Now it's got Jesus Christ on it. But the problem is it's still surrounded by all the other gods of this world. And we can have that in our life. We can have Jesus on an altar. And yet I, I, I take part in other gods of this world. I can worship at Jesus for 10 or 15 minutes a day. But I'll bask in the neon God of entertainment for hours and hours at a time. There is something we got to have. We got to be holy in our life. We've got to set one God above all of them and, cut and cast all the other ones aside. It does us no good to have a God of Jesus Christ and everything else around him. The Israelites would go into territories and God commanded them, eradicate all the gods, all the pagan altars, everything, eradicate it. Why? Because they are a snare to people. Because when you partake of them, it snares you, it grabs your attention. There's ones of lust and pleasure. That's such a grabbing thing to men, especially. We have to separate ourselves from life or these things of this world. We've got to be holy. It does us no good to take a stroll 
Through all the gods of this world, I'm going to bask in the entertainment one. Maybe I'll go and I'll worship at money for a little while. Or maybe I'll go and I'll worship at, at pleasure or self. Maybe there's just a mirror on that altar that you just stare at yourself. Call that the altar to narcissists. But somewhere off in the distance, there's a narrow path that it's hard to get to. That's to Jesus Christ. And few people want to take that path. They don't want to take that narrow walk to get to Jesus because that's self-denial. We've got to be holy. Romans 14 and 22, And hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. He that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And I'll help you to explain this a little bit in the NLT. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing. But keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. And that's easy to understand. You know, we, we, can, we can do things that we don't feel such a big deal. And we can say, okay, that's... That's fine. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't trip me up. But if there are things in our life at one time we had convictions about and we are no longer following those convictions, it's sin to us. And let me give you a a, a little illustration that God gave to me. There was a certain man that had everything put together in his life. Everything was going well, but from a series of bad decisions, bad financial decisions, he decided he, was gonna, he had to start begging because he had lost everything. And when he first begged, there was such a sense of shame and sorrow for what he was doing. There was such an agony because I had to beg. I had been for some, something so great, and now I'm begging. And there was sin and shame to it. And as he kept going, the shame got a little bit less and a little bit less, and the tears no longer came. And about ten times into it, there was no longer shame or sorrow And about 11 or 12 times into it, there became an excitement about begging because there's the possibility of what I might experience from begging, what I might get from begging. And there is a nature in us that at one time we had deep convictions over things in our life that now we have set aside and we have picked up things that we had once said, I would not do, I will not do. And there are people here that have picked up things in your life that you said at one time, I won't be doing that. I feel bad for doing that. I don't want to do that. And you've set it aside. Why? Because we talked about it. I've been like a bottle in the smoke, the smoke and sorrow of my situation. And I've looked for for help. I've looked for um, comfort in other things because it didn't come fast enough. And so the Bible says, David said, I'm like a bottle in the smoke, but I have not set aside your statutes. And some of us, because it didn't come fast enough, have set aside those convictions we had in our life. We have set aside things that at one time made us so, so sad if we were to partake and so sad and we repented over it, but now we've picked them back up. It's how quickly we justify ourselves in the situations we're in. 
how quickly we justify the life that we live as acceptable, the things that I partake as acceptable, because after all, God, I'm in a state of pain and agony, so this is okay for me to do. It's okay for me to partake in this because I need something to help me through it. Jude 1 and 21 says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. It's not hating the spot. The Bible says hating the garment. Jesus says, there's a time coming where people don't want to change what they've done and change the things and how easy we get established into the way and the, and the things that we take part in. We've got to hate the garment spotted by the flesh. If we hate the garment spotted by the flesh, that means we've got to change our garment. He says you can't take pieces from the new and put it on the old or the old will rent it and you're tearing apart a good piece. He said you need a new garment. You need a new wineskin. There needs to be some new things in our life. We need to let go of old mindsets and old ways that are not according to the word of God. We need to take on a holiness mindset. I will be holy because he is holy. I will be holy because he's been good and righteous to me. I love him. And I'm not being, uh, you know, bad so much in the idea that that I want to be pleasing to myself, but I want to be right with him. I don't want to, to take for granted his goodness to me. But here's the thing, and that's what I said. Jesus spoke to some things. In Luke 5 and 39, No man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth the new, for he saith the old is better. And that's where we can find ourselves if we've been doing certain things over and over again. If we've adopted uh, ideas and thoughts and, and activities that a culture we've come from. I know where some of you come from. And there's very quickly we can adopt cultures that are not biblical. They're cultures of the place we came from. And when you adopt those cultures, you're not asking yourself, should I be right with God? You're asking yourself, am I right with my brother? Do I measure myself by my brother? No, that is not wise. The Bible says that. It's according to the word of God. Am I holy to him? Psalm 66, 13 and 18 through 18. I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows which my lips have uttered and my mouth hath spoken when I was in trouble. I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings, the incense of rams. I will offer bullocks and goats. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And this is what the Lord gave to me. That some have, have compromised your convictions, and because you've compromised your convictions, God is not listening to you. You've been praying for certain things to happen in your life, and they are not taking place because you have let go of some things in your life that you once held dear. And God has told me to remind you to pick them back up, dust them off, and put them back in your life. Hear this, Haggai 1, 3 through 9. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? 
and this house lie waste. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages earneth wages to put it in bags with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, bring wood, and build the house, and I will look for and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You look for much, and lo, it came to little. When you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is in waste, and you run every man to his own house. you got to get your spiritual house in order first. If your spiritual house is not where it needs to be, if the holiness is not where it needs to be, then God is not going to bless what you're doing because you've walked on what he, what he set in your life. And everybody here has their own convictions about things. That's why it's dangerous to compare yourself to someone else. Because God has said it for you. There are things in my life that it may be okay for you to do, but it's not okay for me. Because of the life I've lived. So if you have a conviction that you're trampling on, pick it back up. Pick it back up, dust it off, and apply it to your life again. Then watch as your prayers reach God. Then watch as he begins to do a work in your life. Matthew, Jesus, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek him first. Seek his will first. Seek what he wants in your life first. And then look at him blessing you. Look at what he'll do in your financial situation, what he'll do in your relationships. And this is going to be a hard part for some people. And I knew it would be. And I prayed and I, I sought for the will of God in this. In, the six, in this Genesis 7, 11 through 13. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month. The same day were all the fountains of the grape deep broken up. And the windows of heaven were open. And the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And the selfsame day Noah... Shem, Ham, Japheth, the sons of Noah, Noah's wife, and the three wives of sons with him entered into the ark. And listen to Genesis 5, 28 and 31. And Lamech lived 180 and two years and begat a son, and he called his name Noah, saying, The same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands, because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah 590 and five years. And begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech were 770 and seven years and he died. Noah, hear me, Noah had brothers and he had sisters and he had nieces and he had nephews. And the only people that made it on the ark was his exact family. That was it. And there are people in our lives, ungodly people in our lives, who may be related to us that refuse to get into the boat. But we cannot allow them to dictate our holiness. We cannot allow them to dictate what's righteous in our life. We cannot allow them to tell us to trample on what's good in our life and say it's not necessary because it's very necessary that we make it to heaven. We must be ready. I must be ready. 
It has no bearing on them. I'm sorry. You can pray for them, but don't let them change the convictions in your life. Don't let them steal your faithfulness to the house of God. Don't let them rob from you. Your relationship with Jesus Christ because they refuse to live for God. You need to hear it. God's calling to you. Are you ready to meet him? Are you ready to meet him? You. Nobody else. Are you ready to meet him? Because they won't be there. They won't be there. When you stand before God. Only you will be there. Will it be worth it? Were those people that you compromise yourself to, will you hug them and will you love them whenever God has come and gone and you didn't make it? Will you be joyful saying, I'm glad we made it to hell together? Are you glad about that? No, there'll be a loathing for those individuals that you surrendered everything for. You've got to get your mind straight about what's important in this hour. It is about my relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters. In Genesis 19, two angels come into the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And he really recognized the Spirit of God. He recognized it. And he went and he bowed before them and he begged them. They didn't come to his home right away. He begged them and they finally relented and they came into his home. And not long after the presence of God entered his home, the world was banging on the door trying to get in to take it from him. It was trying to bang on the door, give us those men, the spirit of God in your life. Lot said, no, but you know what? I've got kids that are already betrothed to this world. You can have them, but you can't take the spirit in my life. This is where it gets serious for some of you. God wants us to make a decision in our life. Are you going to stay with them? Are you going to surrender yourself for what your kids want or what your family wants? Or are you going to love God and say, I choose the spirit of God in my life? I want to be true to God. I cannot afford to be untrue to him, especially now. There are people in the world on the other side of the Holy Ghost that feel a drawing to this right now because they have the mindset to see what's going on in the world and realize that something bad is coming. Something great and life-changing and life-altering is coming, and I realize that I need something more. They're coming to each individual. They're coming out of the woodwork saying, hey, can you help me? Because I, I, I don't know what's going on, but I know I need this. I need something more than what I've got in this life. And if we are playing with things in this life that are ungodly, that we don't recognize the hour that we live in, it's shame on us. And Lot escapes. And he takes his two daughters. It's funny that when he was willing to surrender his kids for the presence of God in his life, his kids were with him whenever they escaped. It's funny how God works when you choose him above everything else. 
And that somehow the people that you thought weren't going to be make it, don't make it, but you chose God instead. You weren't going to listen to them. You weren't going to follow their ways. You weren't going to follow their pattern. But you decided, I'm going to choose the Spirit. He saved those daughters by saying, I'm not surrendering the Spirit in my life. They seen something. They understood something. And so they left. But as they were leaving, what happens? We know the story. Right at the last minute, when you're almost into safety, his wife turns around, still looking back on what was left, what was back there in the past. Still looking back, saying, I, I guess that was something important to look back on. And she was lost right at the last minute. And if we don't get this, there are some people that are going to be lost right at the last hour, right when salvation was right there in your grasp. But you chose to let the smoke of your situation shrivel you to the point where you've compromised your convictions. You've compromised things you know that you should not be doing. And you've allowed sin to ruin in your life, work in your life. We've got to get this. We've got to be ready. I have become like a bottle in the smoke. Yet do I not forget thy statutes. Statutes is a prescribed limit. That means it's a limit God has set for you. It's a boundary. I need comfort, God. I need it. I need your hand in my life, but you're not coming fast enough. But no matter what I'm going to do, I'm not going to step outside the boundaries you set for me. I'm going to stay in those boundaries. I'm going to stay there. Maybe you've allowed some things in your life and you need God to purge them from you. I, I take today as the day to get it right. To set your mind where it needs to be. To set your mind on what needs to be set on. On God, His presence. Set it where it needs to go. Don't justify things in your life that you know are wrong. That you should not be doing. I, I, there's a, I could, it would take a book to list everything that could potentially be wrong with what we're doing sometimes. But it's between you and God. It's begin to ask God, is this acceptable? Have I just been doing this on autopilot when I know it's wrong? Ask God, is this acceptable? Some already know. Some, as I begin to speak this, you've already, there's things that just popped into your mind. That you know I should not be doing. I should not be partaking in. First John 5, 1 through 4. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him begetteth love in him also that is begotten of him. But this, is, this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And then John 14 and 22 and 24. Judas saith unto him, not a scary, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him and will come unto him and make our abode with him. If you have people in your life that have walked away from God, they did not love God. I want you to hear that. 
There are things that happen to many of our lives that have been detrimental to our mental well-being, our spiritual well-being, but here you are in this room today. Why? Because you love God. It wasn't about what the world did, what somebody else did. It was you've separated it in your mind that there these are I love God what these people did may have been wrong, but I love God enough I'm going to serve him. My relationship with God is not based on what other people do. The relationship I have with God is based on His mercy and grace to me and what He's done in my life. I told you it wasn't going to be easy. You have to recognize it. They walked away from God. That is not your fault. That is nobody else's fault. They just did not have the relationship they needed to have with God. But what we do matters. And the, sec- the first dream that I had, that I, or not, well, the first thing I was awoken from was a deep intercessory prayer on behalf of people that have set aside the convictions in their life. Some were deep that I could feel. They might have been a moral transgression. That's what I felt. And I began to weep and pray on behalf of whoever it is that has set aside things because the smoke has gotten so bad in your life. And you've caused such a shriveling in your life that you, that you decided that there, I had to find comfort somewhere else. I had to find comfort in anything else. And so I wept and I prayed for you. But God wants you to come back. There's still time and there's still mercy. God is good. Psalm 16 and, and 11. Psalmist said, Thou will show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there is pleasures forevermore. It's in his presence that there is fullness of joy. We amen that, we, we, we shout over that, But when things get hard in life, instead of taking the time to get in our closet and get in his presence to find the joy we need, we're so quick to go to the other things in life. We'll go to the gods of this life. We'll go to to things that we shouldn't be taking partake in because we're trying to find joy elsewhere than the presence of God. It takes too much time. I got to shut a door. I got to get in the right mindset. I got to get in the right place to get in the presence of God, and that just takes too much time. I might as well just do something else quickly. We're in a microwave generation that wants everything fast. We want our joy, we want our comfort fast. And if we don't get it fast enough, then we'll seek it elsewhere. If you don't show up in time for me, God, I'm going to seek it elsewhere. We've got to get the right mindset. We've got to understand we've got to be holy. We've got to be separate from this life. We've got to be righteous unto God. Because it says, she hath made herself ready. Nobody else is doing it. She's got to do it. And we can stand. Very familiar passage that we can close with. Isaiah 6, 1 through 7. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. 
With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly, and one cried one unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Will you get a revelation of his holiness in your life? Will you realize his call to holiness in your life? Will you realize that he is holy and that we must be holy? Will you recognize what's been wrong in your life for so long and say, God, I want your mercy again. And I want to take up those crosses that I had set down. I want to take them up and walk with you.